0: Welcome to Global Digital Futures Podcast, brought to you by the SOAS Coding Club. I'm your host, Chipoma Pondera, and you're listening to SOAS Radio. Today, we're speaking with Sum Paul about cultural nuances and India's digital economy. Sum is the co-founder and CEO of Home Screen Network, a television network venture built for the smartphone era. Over the last two decades, he's played instrumental roles in a series of disruptive startups like Nolarity, State.com, MixerCast, And his books, Toppo Prepares and Flight of the Unicorns, have both been published by HarperCollins India. This episode was recorded outside the studio, so sound quality may be a little compromised from time to time. So if you can start by telling me about your work and background, please
1: was founder of, the, of a company called Home Screen Network and until we started this company a year ago, the whole idea was that we want to create television for the smartphone era. And the idea was very simple. In India, there was this sudden growth in internet penetration and reach because of a company called Reliance Zero, which came in and gave low cost 4G across the country. And because of that network and because of the drop in smartphone prices, suddenly a large volume of Indian users were coming online. Everything from broadcasting distribution, centralized control, all that started changing rapidly, and video became one of the biggest things so our thesis is very oh. that in the future television companies that will be created will get created purely for the smartphone audiences so we are that kind of company we create television content with a velocity that the television industry has but we do it for the smartphone audiences and for multiple languages and we have 30 people in the team and three officers one in Bangalore, one in
0: mumbai one in Chennai. <laughs> india seems like a booming tech nation and also mm-hmm. seems to be the back office of the world in terms of services such as call centers outline how this came to be. How did India become this hub? How are people trained in digital skills? What sort of investment has gone into training people? What is the access for Indian you know, citizens? give you a bit of history to give the context of how this actually came about. So in 1980, the regulations in India were very confining for industries to have and at that time there were many companies which were setting up offices in India. Essentially what they were doing was body shopping. So they would take engineers out of India and these guys would migrate for a short period of time to US and US was one of the largest clients of these Indian IT companies at that time and these engineers would function there and then come back home and many of them would settle as well but large chunk of them would
1: go and come back. Right. So body shopping was one of the largest things that started in the 1980s. At that time, internet penetration in India was non-existent. The internet had just arrived and only industrial internet or rather research internet had come. There was a company called Infosys, which was actually one of the pioneers of this entire thing, which was set up in 1981 and the founder of that company, Narayan Murthy, is one of the most well-known figures in India because he literally kick started this as a pioneer. They were also one of the fastest companies which were actually managing to crack this model of body shopping. Right? In 1991, what happened in India was well, there was a major economic crisis because of well, which the Indian government was forced to open up the economy to globalisation. And this was done by at that time the Prime Minister P.D. Narsimara was the Prime Minister of India and that landmark change that happened in terms of opening up the, of the economy transformed everything overnight. Literally within a year or something, suddenly there was possibilities of setting up businesses, bureaucratic hurdles were devolved. All the licenses that companies used to acquire in the past to even set up a business were gone and it reduced drastically, right? And so suddenly... It was possible to create companies in India and entrepreneurship started growing after that. Mm -hmm. Then what happened was internet consumer internet arrived and something interesting happened at that time. The governments recognized the potential of the internet connectivity Mm -hmm. and especially what it does for industry. So they set up IT tech parks. Mm -hmm. So tech parks were given like the special sort of in cities where high-speed internet was uh, provided through satellite and other forms. Consumers are still had low-speed internet, but industries were able to access internet in a much better way. Because of which, suddenly, from body shopping, where, like, you know, there were large numbers of engineers who were being shipped abroad, outsourcing became the norm, where you were taking large amount of work which was to be done in the US, and they were being done by Indian engineers sitting in India. The labor cost was very low, because India at that time was churning, and India is still churning a large number of engineering talent, and this is high-quality engineering talent. You know, and this talent, you know, literally had no options in the past. But after the outsourcing opened up and this industry, industry opened up, there was a huge pool of talent that was available. So now the ability to extend the amount of work, there was no end to it. We just keep supplying and there is people. So this continued to grow and grew very, very rapidly. Especially yeah. also Bangalore and Pune and certain cities became hubs of talent. When engineering colleges would churn out graduates, these companies would take the talent, train them up, make them industry ready. And then these guys would have people placed in Bangalore or Pune or things like that. There was another thing that happened you know like around 2000 the Y2K bug plagued a lot of computer systems around the world and because of this bug you know a large chunks of code had to be rewritten, and if people you required like a large manpower to go through existing systems and make sure that systems would not fail and you cannot really have that sort of manpower suddenly out of the blue India had that kind of manpower so this was early 2000 the industry had started maturing and outsourcing had become a mainstay a lot of other smaller companies also started to realize that this was a great model and they started coming up as well. around 2005 2006, something interesting happened. A bunch of companies started realizing the startups that are happening in the Silicon Valley, that model can also be done in India. So, companies trying to do like a high-end technology development, not just outsourcing kind of work in India. Then, for five, six years, such companies succeeded, then venture capitalists came to India, the investments started coming in. And then, over the last five, six years, what has happened is the culture has completely become a mixture of both outsourcing, center BPO, plus also really high-end technology and R&D work. Sounds like a very
0: diverse dope- diversified market, it's very diversified skill set. Absolutely. You've said, you know, quite a bit about how the market changed. I'm considering concepts such as the networked economy and Uh how it exists in the West, uh, where companies that own information and distribution have lean employee structures but a lot of power and information based on microworking and also the big economy in companies like Uber and Delivery. How is that relationship between India and the West in terms of the networked economy? And does India have its own version of the networked economy? India as a country presents an entirely different set of talent than US in the sense that if you look at outsourcing, for example, outsourcing was targeting the American plans and so they were solving American problems. When you look at India? Yeah, as a customer base, then the entire scenario changes. If you look at network economy like Uber or companies like that, when you are serving Indian customer and you are
1: going on Indian roads because of infrastructure, because of like a diverse set of cultural nuances, the entire way in which the network economy works here is different. But network economy exists extensively here, so. I'll give an example. Amazon was set up in the mid 90s in the US and they started, this, you know, with a lean team, started doing like really rapid growth, global expansion towards e-commerce. Yeah. Now, the uh, Indian counterpart of that came up like in 2007, 2008. It's called Flipkart. They were the first ones to actually crack this model. There were like two engineers who were working in Amazon at that time. They came up with the idea of actually starting a similar thing in India. But what they realized very quickly is that the customers in India, because of lack of credit card penetration, you cannot really have the e-commerce model like the way it works in the US. So the second thing is the culture demand that the Indian customer they will not pay for a product until they can touch and feel that product. Yeah. So they have to rethink how the payment systems would work which means that they have to bring in cash on delivery. The moment you bring in cash on delivery everything changes. If an e-commerce company is trying to do cash on delivery it means that they will have to account for returns they will have to account for customers who will order a good but they will not pay for it and therefore there is a cost to the delivery that they have to incur with them. things like that. It also means that they will have to trust a certain amount of goods will actually get sold out of what people order. So the entire dynamic changes. The difference between the network economy as it exists in the US versus in India is that you have to take into account the cultural nuances. And the cultural nuances are massive. And whoever ignores that actually fails as a company. On the other hand, whoever understands the cultural nuances managed to crack this and create a really, really large impact. So around the time when Uber was growing in the US, a couple of engineers in India thought India could have its own fleet So they started became like one of the first Indian company to crack the right shearing, right tooling and billing system. So when Ola started building it in India, they faced bunch of challenges around unions, taxi uh, unions coming in. You know, so these things do not exist in the West that much as we have to deal with in India. There were different regulations for retail, there were language problems, there was a lot of training that had to be done to the drivers because they were not naturally aware of how to use technology. But uh, the short answer is that network economy exists in a slightly different modality
0: than in the US. Can you tell us a bit about how the network economy differs even more when you consider urban areas versus rural areas? And the differences in infrastructure in those places, say internet connection, cell phone penetration, last year the penetration was mostly confined to metro cities and the larger cities there were internet penetration in these uh, rural and you know tier three cities in India but not really that strong the connection people were bad it was very unpredictable over
1: the last one year that has drastically changed and suddenly now therefore like it's a virgin territory. nobody knows how it's going to pan out and everybody is fighting for that game because it's the largest untouched customer base that exists in the world right now it's like imagine about 1 billion people who can come online in the next 3 to 4 years and so what happens then what kind of network economy have? starts coming up and how does it work you know what are the industries that have been affected by, the, by this right so this, these are the questions that is, in fact every startup in India is asking right now which is why there is like a huge battle if you see between e-commerce giant coming to trying to come to India there are three e-commerce companies fighting it out in India right now recently Walmart bought a large stake in Flipkart which was the Indian e-commerce counterpart Amazon is fighting the battle here and Alibaba has also tried entering the Indian market through acquisitions so like three large e-commerce players are coming in trying to grab that H- hundred to one billion that will come online. Then uh, if you look at other industries, for example, micro-tasking, micro-working, a lot of the masses that are coming online are not really trained in many ways in terms of uh, actual technology or high-end tasks. So what is the kind of task that will be micro-working culture that will develop is a completely open question. Nobody knows the answer to that. It's A very interesting example I'll give you in this, right, in healthcare. India actually has one of the worst doctor-patient ratios of So There are four to five doctors per 10,000 patients. So, 10,000 people have four doctors. Five doctors right and on top of that the second thing is that most of the remote locations in India do not have healthcare systems in place they are very rudimentary even if they are in place there are companies which are coming up which are trying to crack this model where through a mobile app you can get diagnosed for your illnesses and problems Combination of a doctor and an AI, which is how you can try and solve a large problem like this. Similarly, like education, how do you train this sort of volume of people in languages? If let's say somebody wants to learn English, you cannot really have schools which are training English. So that there are apps coming up, which is going all about training people in English. So stuff like that. You know, it's it, it's a different dynamic altogether because US had a entirely different ecosystem where a large number of companies already had established infrastructure and a population who could use technology or who could understand. it. But India,
0: that's not the case. So I I am going to actually go into AI a little bit more. But before that, I want to ask about the realities of the digital economy in terms of development. It's sometimes easy to make very broadly sweeping claims about positive impact. But what is the reality um, of digital development in India? Every single development in the
1: world has its product cost. The similar thing applies with digital economy. Yeah, no. Uh, from the positive standpoint, right, what has happened is that because of IT industry that has come up in the last couple of decades, what has happened is Indian economy has grown and IT industry contributes about 7-8% to 8% to the Indian economy right now. The large amount of Indian export is around IT industry. It has also created a large number of jobs. Currently, the industry employs over 2.8 million people directly. On the other hand, indirect employment, people who are working as you know freelancers or any other associated employment that has been driven by this industry is around 9 million more. That's a lot of jobs. Look at somebody like me if who would have come from a small Indian town I went to college at that time and if this industry had not emerged here everybody from the university when I graduated would actually be struggling to find jobs because of this when people graduate they know that they will find jobs somewhere or the other and this is great on the other hand the con side of it is that it has also because of the it has grown really really rapidly and in a slightly unplanned fashion destroyed cities in a certain sense Bangalore the city which which used to be called the garden city and was really beautiful scenic had zero pollution and a lot of greenery has become this sort of traffic hellhole now it's just so many people in the city have arrived and there has been no planned development in the city that what ended up happening is that every single road is traffic blocked and no matter how many roads how much roads our development have think that done it's just not enough and it's led to pollution it's led to diminishing Quality of life. That is the side of this kind of development, where you suddenly have this mass of uh, shift happening in terms of, like, you know, how many people are uh, coming into the city, the influx mm-hmm. of talent into the. City. Has other
0: side to it, it leads to destruction of the that does that also have an effect on the cost of living like in silicon valley not to make a direct comparison just to give an example where the price of living in san francisco has just gone super high and you know affected the people that were living there is a similar thing happened in any of the indian cities
1: Certain areas which are really expensive. Because India has so many layers of economy, there are specific ecosystems around that data that exist. So if you want to live cheaply, you can still live cheaply still can work in the main city, you will have to travel a little longer, but you still can live fairly like at a And this is the same to apply across like even the cities like Mumbai and Delhi. Even well, Mumbai's real estate prices are phenomenally high. People still manage to commute long distances and you will still find in the main prime areas food places which are really, really, really cheap. Transportation is really cheap as well because of which no matter how much the cost of living rises, it also on the other hand, the city expands and there are different areas that get created in the city which are low cost. Dalgala mm-hmm. has literally expanded like some five or six times since what it was before. Mumbai is expanding non-stop.
0: And are there other cities that have sprung up as a result of investment and social mobility through, you know, um, digital or technological industries? There is an initiative by the current Prime Minister of India, which is called the Spark City Initiative, where the whole idea is that there will be like connected and build an infrastructure in about 100 cities across India. To sort of reduce the load uh, from the 2-3 main hubs that have come up. Other cities that exist right now, for example, are Tune, Hyderabad, Chennai, the extension of Delhi which is called Gurgaon, Noida. Multiple different cities are coming up and then there is an initiative by the government to bring up a whole bunch of new cities which are where the idea is to actually build infrastructure and a similar sort of ecosystem. We've talked mostly about business and enterprise. Do you know of any digital social projects that Mm -hmm. have made a huge impact? Similar things that kind of
1: exist in the US, there are models of that that exist in India. If you look at crowdfunding, for example, if you consider that as a social project in a certain sense, yes. On the other hand, like, for example, if you look at purely a social venture setup, India, because of the sustainability issues around social ventures that hasn't made a large impact yet okay and sustainability by that i mean if you look at UN, the donations that special venture can- is a lot higher than what, to the amount that our Indian venture can put. Because of this, the ecosystem, investment ecosystem does not exist for social ventures that much. It's much more, much smaller. On the other hand, NGOs, mostly connected with international NGOs as well, they have come in. But if you talk about digital social impact, it's not really that big yet.
0: I went to a talk about feminists doing digital and the relationship between men and the internet versus women and the internet and the issues that arise from that. Are women involved in this digital economy? And to what extent? Women are involved, but right now
1: it's a growing sort of number. If you look at from the the viewership pattern, or like let's say from the consumption pattern, typically the audiences that, in in fact, even in our startup, we tend to see is largely male. And this uh, sort of has been the case for a lot of other companies as well. However, that is also changing because again, what used to happen in the past was that you had maybe one cell phone per household and that would belong to the male member mostly. And now, smartphones have become cheaper and there's a huge volume of women who are coming online as well. So, it's a bit early days for that. In terms of actual worker population, if you talk about the talent pool that exists in the industry, uh, there is again a large cue towards male versus female right now. But again, that's also very cultural. Historically, in India, what has happened is that it was the male who were going to go out and work and not the female. And that bias is changed Rapidly now, and because of the changing bias, now there's a larger number of
0: women who are coming to the workforce, which is great. So, I just wanted to touch on the future and how people are working and using the internet, thinking about peer production Mm -hmm. and that type of working. I think it's quite significant when you talk about networked economies. Is that type of working popular in India? Are there sort of open source projects as well? Very much. Because of technology being a great sort of leveler,
1: and there is no real distinction between how work would happen. If when you consider technology and commerce project and that kind of work, open source economy, for example, there is a lot of commonality between how it is in the US and India. A lot of companies open source their product code base, they open source interesting research that they have come up with. There is a quality there. Okay. The difference, however, is that most companies in the US are very tech centric in terms of how they solve the problem. In India, most companies cannot just use tech to solve the problem. They have to use operations because of the amount of inconsistency that there is in the infrastructure and the ecosystem. So technology needs to be assisted by your human being. You cannot really have just, for example, as a very simple example, like take a chatbot. In the US, you could serve a customer base purely using a chatbot because everybody speaks English. Here, there are like some 26 languages, which is the major languages. Now suddenly you put a chatbot, you know, chatbot will not be able to answer a single thing until you train them on 26 languages. So even though they can do an initial approach, the human be involved in that. The reason business- like if you look at science of technology team in US versus India. US, the same company would employ like maybe a lot less number of people. Here you need to employ a lot more and a lot of that has to deal with the way the ecosystem is. It's not about inefficiency. Let's say for example in our case, right, we have to employ people who deal with day-to-day stuff, which is simply bureaucratic, which you don't have to do that much in the US. Then if you have a cap company, you have to employ a workforce who will go and deal with the unions and you have to employ a workforce who will then take call because people may not be using smartphones all the time so they may want to call in and actually do stuff there is always a need in India for creating a larger workforce to work around the ecosystem that India presents.
0: Let's go on to AI, because that's the very near future. Um, What does AI automation mean for India and this digital economy? How will the industries be affected?
1: AI and automation, when it comes to that, again, you know, the diversity and the cultural nuances may play a big role here. Okay, so there is a lot of talk about how AI automation will kill jobs, people will get unemployed. It's the end of the world. A lot of doomsday scenarios are present. I actually believe that AI automation and solve a lot of issues in India right now which we cannot really solve without it. For example, again going back to healthcare, right? About three years ago when I was writing my book on Startups, I interviewed this company called Greenetra and what these guys do is that they were trying to solve the problem of early diagnostics of the human retinal problems and in remote areas. So they had to come up with some really interesting technology to track how they would go to a remote area, how they would put a machine which is cheap which would be able to you know, using a cell phone camera detect retinal problems in the human eye. Now they had to Build AI because the number of doctors they had uh, access to was more doctors to 10,000 people. So every doctor here is completely swapped. So you have to use AI to solve some of these problems. So image recognition and pattern recognition can actually solve a large problem in healthcare in India and identify issues that people have. Similarly around education let's say because of the diversity of population language differences. If you could build AI which can actually give automated training to different language audiences then suddenly it it has a huge impact because suddenly you can train a large of people. Again, India has a dreadful teachers. So, you can solve that problem as well. So, the third problem, if you look at traffic situation in India, it's a total mess in a city like Bangalore. And potentially, if there was a big system which could figure out the best of traffic in the city, that would have a huge impact in people's life. So I actually think that AI employed at a mass scale employed to solve an actual country problem would have a huge impact both from a societal standpoint and changing people's lives. Another example India, a lot of small businesses and small entrepreneurs and farmers run on microloans. Microloans means that you have to go to a bank, you have to apply for a loan or you have to go to a microfinance company, you have to apply for a loan mm-hmm. and that loan approval process takes forever because there's a human being who is vetting it. If that could be the amount of Automated using technology, then that would help a lot of people facilitate the
0: loan process. Are there companies in India, or maybe even projects that are developing and using AI? Because you have a lot of computer science skills and talent, I could see a market developing that way. Investment in AI has first happened in China and US. In fact, like China is one of the leading countries in terms of AI right now. Uh, and this has happened because they identified that it's one of the biggest drivers, and those companies started using really, really, really sort of advanced AI researchers to come in and develop technology there. And
1: in India, it's in a very nascent state still. It's in early days. The startups that are coming up are still early stage in terms of what they are solving and how they are trying to solve it. So AI research has not yet become really big in India, but it has to, you know, because eventually the entire technology Landscape is going to change because of AI, and the change of the skill set and the local training of how to build up AI skill set in India has to happen very,
0: very quickly. And I believe it will because you know that's where the opportunity is, and that's where people tend to gravitate towards. And but what happens to your, let's call it in a very technical way, immaterial labour? So say your call centre workers from outsourced companies when they can be replaced by an AI. Yes,
1: not like graduates who comes out of college chooses to just do call center work and so if the next batch of graduates who are coming out will see a new opportunity they will train and upskill and go towards that opportunity. So India historically has always been a very uh, a nation of like individuals who identify where opportunities lie and go for it. Which is why if you look at any any street in India where even there is a smallest of business opportunity available, you will see five stores crop crop up. If you see a single park open like a tourist site open up, a traffic stop, you will five people who are coming and trying to sell you something. That's because there's an inherent inclination that is there to kind of survive and, you know, sort of make sure that you are able to tap onto these gaps that exist naturally. And that happens because of the largely competitive ecosystem that this country has, which is, you know, because of the large population, everybody is aware they have to fight in a certain sense. So I agree with you that AI and automation will have a large displacement of jobs from call center. But on the other hand, people will shift from call center jobs to something else. The second side of it is that I actually do not believe that you can entirely automate the industry yet in India because of the amount of chaos that is there in the system. So you call center, right? So with the diversity of languages, if you suddenly have Indian customer base of 800 million coming on, who speak very different languages than English, then need human you know, assistance. The one part of it that will get affected, just thinking aloud, is that the outsourcing industry that existed with like US clients outsourcing a chunk of work to India, that will drastically reduce, which means that Indian industries
0: have to prop up and come up with job creation in Well, just to close or just. What are you excited about in terms of the local digital economy? Maybe some projects that you want to highlight or a new innovation? So, so the thing that excites me the most is my own startup right?
1: Which is where we are sort of trying to figure out what does this new audience that is coming online want to watch. That itself is an amazing challenge to kind of take on. Like a completely virgin territory and all we do is analyze data from whatever data we can find to try and come up with concepts and things like that, right? So that obviously is super exciting. The second part which is also exciting is in terms of what will happen in what you mentioned before, which is that how will the network economy come up in very, very deep rural India? where suddenly a young guy with a smartphone who is sitting in a village will find an opportunity to do something. What will he do? You know, What kind of work will he take on? How does he educate? So this kind of stuff really you know, is exciting. And in a certain way, content is for us the way to see that, just that
0: happening. So a lot of really interesting insights from Sum about what's happening in India and some insights on the future and if you want to discover more about this topic we have a lot of great resources for you this week you can access them on our website so you can discover more about the startups that sim runs at their websites www.homescreennetwork.com and www.thebigscope.com for some disruptive startups that are changing the landscape in india look at the websites of ola at www.olacabs.com oyo Rooms at www.oyorooms.com Swiggy at www.swiggy.com Flipkart at www.flipkart.com and Paytm at www.paytm.com Those have been recommended by some. There's a range of articles from CNN, The Guardian, QZ.com, BBC and Wikipedia on different topics around India's digital economy. You can find us online at www.soascodingclub.com Or follow us on Facebook at SOAS Coding Club and on Twitter at SOAS Coding Club. Join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Global Digital Futures. We broadcast every two weeks, so tune in to discover what's to come in your global digital future.